This episode is going to run without music. And even if you are listening to my voices and Simon's voices pretty happy during our recording or whatever, it's just because we recorded this episode one week before then it went live. We will run this episode without music for the tragedy that happens in California on Sunday, the 26th of January 2020, and because of the death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi. Some more words at the end of this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Brumvagoon. You will not get there on a road bike or, to better say, because of this week, Tip Top Tuesday, cycling made inclusive. Yes, it's Tip Top Tuesday week, and again in January. We are going to talk with Simon about a couple of things, super interesting one. And we are going to mainly talk about training in winter and the differences between training outside and training indoor. So trainers and Swift against cold feet and running in the snow. You already understand who is going out and who is staying at home, right? Um, yeah, just to start for this episode, I want just to say thank you to all of you for listening to this podcast and thanks to Open for the amazing uh, Open Up that I'm really using a lot also for my training that usually Simon gives me um, in travel terrain, especially close home and in the stunning view and roads and trails that Zurich provides me every day. And uh, as well, I just want to say that the only support that you can give us in order for us to continue keeping on with this amazing content is just to go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whatever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe. And if it happens that you are really on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, just after subscribing, rate and comment, give us a review. This is the only way that we can use in order to climb up the charts out there. I will let you listen to my episode together with Simon, and then I will talk to you later at the end. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that we are doing this kind of thing one week, yes, one week, no. Something like every second week, like they, usually the English says. What do you think, Simon? Hello, hello. I'm in a very good mood. Uh, yes, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> one month, yes. One month, no. Yes. <laughs> What happened to you? Why are you in such a good mood? I I don't know. That's amazing. I don't know. I, I think my bipolarism is kicking in and it's on a happy side. What about your sugar level? Um, yeah, average. I have some Haribo's very close so I can balance it if I need to. But uh, no, for the time being, I'm, I'm just happy. Yeah, because yeah, usually, you know, you have these kind of days when... Uh, you feel something like, yeah, I don't want to do anything, whatever the other days that you're just super happy. It happens to me something like never, or especially it doesn't work. It doesn't happen at all when I finish one of the training that you uh, designed for me. In that, in that days, I'm not happy at all. Ah, you have you have a funny month in front of you. I, I've seen it. It's, it's going to be fun. I think I'm happy because, I mean, I'm not a morning person. Uh, definitely not. But today I woke up at 6.45 and I did an hour on the trainer. And that, yeah, that made me happy. So I was, I was good all, all day. And I mean, now it's, it's evening. So I, I'll talk a little bit with you and then I do my normal training and it's going to be good. 
So you do also some uh, double training days? Yeah, because I was lazy yesterday. Yesterday was a no day, and I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to bed. Okay. <laughs> so okay. Makes I felt in guilt, so, and, I, and I woke up this morning. But it was it was not a hard training, so I can do two easy ones in the same day. Okay, okay, it makes sense. Also because you didn't start already training like crazy, right? No, no. Um, I mean... Even if I could, um, usually in the winter, I perform very badly. Uh, I don't know if it's psychological or if I'm not very good with cold weather or whatever, but it's some, some people really peak in, in winter, peak in February, March. I can't. Uh, I just struggle to generally find motivation, struggle to generally find good form, and stuff like that then when there are 20 degrees something changes and things start to go in the wrong the correct way but before it's it's hard so i just want to let's say resist build some base condition and that's it okay okay something like you start with really the baseline of your training then yeah yeah even because it's in this time of the year most of the trainings have to be indoor, so yeah, um, I'm not the biggest fan of indoor training, but yeah. Yeah, we are talking exactly about that today, you know, Simon. Did you know that? Um, yeah, I suspected that. I had... <laughs> Given that you were asking me to, to help you with the training plan, I suspected you wanted to touch base a little bit on trainings in this time of yes, year. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit more something like kind of the difference between uh, training indoor, training outdoor, which kind of training you're doing in the winter and this kind of thing. And I can also ask you a question, giving myself the answer. Do you know from where I started with this idea, where everything just fired up? I don't know. Go on, Marzullo. The point is that I was checking some Instagram during this weekend and I've seen a crazy guy uh, burning 3,000 kilocalories in one single ride indoor ah. by eating a couple of um, chocolate, kind of chocolate sandwiches or whatever, anyways, snacks, chocolate snacks, um, a couple of big bottles of maltodestrin, these and that, and this actually crazy guy is Simon, and then I thought, this crazy guy here is really trading for all these hours on an indoor trainer, and how can he do it? And we're going to more or less talk about that today. Hey, oh, happens sometimes. <laughs> it was... Tell me more about that. What happened there? Yeah, what happened? You know, it was raining in the weekend and I had nothing to do, so <laughs> I had to go on the bike. Yeah, obviously. I couldn't move from, from my home, so I stayed on the on the road, on the trainer for a couple of hours. But I, I, I was watching MasterChef, so I watched, like, I think, three episodes of MasterChef and it was... <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was it. That was my Saturday, I guess. How many hours you said? Uh, four hours and a quarter, something like that. I mean, four hours and then some ten minutes of cooldown. Okay, okay. Well, that's interesting. Huh? Super interesting. But yeah, but you know, if you go on the trainer with the positive mindset, it's not that complicated. I mean, you just have to be prepared that you're going to stay there for a while. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I bring with me food, I bring with me five or six bottles of water or sugar or whatever, 
Uh, I have my laptop in front of me. I have music, and I'm good to go. Okay, okay. Are you also talking on the phone during your four and a half hours of training indoor? Um, usually not. No. Okay. No, because that messes up my rhythm. I don't breathe well if I speak on the phone. I get angry and no. no, 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 no. Your heartbeat would actually get some consequences on that. Yeah, but I'm not a big talking person. Okay, okay. Yeah, it doesn't seem like we're talking on the microphone all the time. But yeah, but it's always someone has to call me, then I can. No, no, I'm, I'm not while I'm doing sports. Okay, okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's talk about that. Let's start from here. Mm -hmm. Not from your life that you don't like to talk on the phone. Let's start from planning and training. Yep. Swift riding, that's what it is. It's indoor training, it's swift. How do you plan your things? So how do you usually know, okay, today <laughs> I want to burn 3,000 calories with four hours on the trainer, or today is going to be just two hours, zone two. How do you plan that? Okay, uh, one step back depends first on what you are going to do uh, in this time of the year. And what are you going to do in the next 12 months? So for a lot of cyclists right now, uh, it is of still, I mean, it's winter season and there are no races on the road. Um, if they are preparing for Grand Fondos or like stage races like I do, uh, it's an ideal time of the year to do some, some base training. Uh, instead, if you're racing in mountain bike or cyclocross, um yeah now you need a different kind of training so different intensities different volumes and yeah maybe different workload overall okay okay yeah that's the first starting point understand if you need your peak in a month in a two in six and plan accordingly uh if your peak is longer than four months far away <clears throat> just base training uh with Ideally, lower intensities and higher volume is the way to go. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then how do you plan it, actually? when How do you decide, okay, I'm going to do this training in the afternoon. This is better in the morning. Okay, the afternoon is not that easy because nine from, from nine to five work. Yeah, I don't, have, I don't really have a freedom to decide when to do my training. So... As I told you, I'm not a morning person usually, so six or seven in the morning is a big no for me. I tried it. I tried it three, no, four or five times this year. Uh, I never succeeded. <laughs> so I usually put my alarm clock at six. I, I wake up. I switch off the alarm clock. I stand up from the bed. And then I decide it's not a good idea and I go back in my bed and put the alarm clock at 8.45. So that's how it works. And then uh, I'm forced to do my training in the evening, uh, which is, for me, it's not a problem uh, as long as it finishes before midnight and a half. Uh, I'm good. So that's how, how I look at it. Um, then usually um, I'm, I really like to have a day off. Um, usually it was Monday. Um, in the last period, a uh, couple of times it has been Sunday because I have some interesting stuff to do on, on Sundays. I have some free time. And if it's training anyway, uh, it's going to be indoor trainer 
Sunday or Monday doesn't really matter. So I prefer to have a full day without the bike in the weekend. <clears throat> but that is gonna is gonna change with better better weather. And yeah, the, the training plans and how do you structure it? Uh, there, there's also a guy who who talks a lot about this on on YouTube. Uh, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, is Dylan Johnson. And continue talking. Yeah. So this guy is a. I think he's a trainer at Carmichael, and he gives some of the best advice uh, I have seen uh, online. So I, I'm I'm really really agreeing with him on a lot of things. Uh, how he structures the training is more or less also the same way that I look at in at this thing. So two days or maximum three days of uh, higher intensity, and the rest is just pure endurance uh, with ideally a high volume, which is why sometimes the four hours on the trainer or three hours on the trainer happen. And yeah, that gives you... Um, enough energy to make um, the high intensity trainings very well and the low intensity helps you a lot with some aspects that might get neglected uh, in another part of the year but are very very important from a physiological point of view okay okay it makes a lot of sense by the way yes i found him dylan johnson yeah yeah, also yeah. Here, small brackets so now it worked i didn't remember straight after you told me the name so first of all i looked for the, something the closest to me so dylan thomas obviously it was not dylan thomas and then i had a look again and then it was dylan thompson that is a kind of uh, snowboarder and then i found dylan johnson yes he's definitely a trainer cycling geek with numbers alcohol and performance is one video that i'm checking here now in front of now me. This, this guy is amazing i mean i i really hope that we could also interview him someday because he he makes it with you know power meter and numbers and he plans it and then he you know he has some targets it's like my way of thinking <laughs> exactly so everybody now you heard him actually now you have a goal and a task simon I actually give you the task that you have to contact him and interview him. Everybody outside, you heard Simon doing it. And if you want Simon to interview Mr. Dylan Johnson, just give us a sign. But anyway, Simon is going to do it anyways. You take actually the commitment on doing it? Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I take the commitment. Let's let's see what he what he says. Yeah, I give him give him my name. Everybody <laughs> open the doors when you say they listen to my name. It's fine. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> it seems like you have a super amazing structure way to make rides and planning your trainings and stuff like this for your winter stuff. It's easy, I would say, because actually you train indoor and everybody can do that indoor. For my side, it's a bit more complicated, I would say, because I don't have a trainer, so I don't own a trainer, and that's my fault. I don't know. A tra I don't own a trainer. I don't own a power meter. That's why we are so different. But apart from that, I actually really like to enjoy to ride outside. I've been commuting with a bike, for example, in these days, even with zero degrees, and I usually go out also in winter for making my trainings and stuff. For example, today here in Zurich was minus four. Tomorrow that I'm planning my ride in the lunch break, I think it's going to be minus two, minus one. That's what the weather forecast says. Anyways, I choose my planning and my training pretty carefully. 
And the golden rule there for me is go close home. So whatever should be around five to 10 kilometers from home. Otherwise, you can really die there. So this is the only planning that I allow myself from doing. Yeah, it's pretty convenient, no? <laughs> yes, it's definitely amazing. You just ride here around, otherwise you risk your life. This helps me actually also in keeping my training with my um, heartbeat so that my BPM is pretty high all the time. I think that I've never trained, trained and ridden like this year, having my heartbeat going on, I don't know, constantly at 170. It never happened to me, really, because that's the only thing that I can do, actually, to keep myself warm, apart from putting myself three or four layers and uh, making a bit of uh, a, a really cool trick that I found out in order not to die while I'm uh, riding outside is to put on all your clothes that you would use to go out with a bike and making something like jumping jacks or uh, something like a warm-up inside with warm weather with all your jacket on and your gloves and whatever. So you really keep all the warm parts of your body inside of the system that you build up before to go out. This is the only way that works because otherwise you go outside cold and then all your extremities, I think, uh, your fingers, your toes, and your nose and everything like this freezes in one second. If you actually warm up a bit inside and then you go out already warm, then works better. Anyways, don't move so much outside from home because it can be complicated in this temperature <laughs> yeah and this actually sent me also to another topic that is actually the timing how much time i stay outside actually you already mentioned that you're going out for so much going out staying inside and doing some training for some time for me it's not more than one hour and a half max two hours i've been out for three hours in the weekend it was not super cold it was one degree but anyways, being out for three hours and a half, three hours, three hours and a half in a gravel terrain, so pretty open and uh, let's say wet and everything like this, it was really too much. I would say max one hour and a half, two hours, not more, otherwise you freeze. What do you think about that, Simon? Nah, let's say if it's less than one hour, I don't even start. Okay, no, less than one hour, I can completely understand. That doesn't make sense. <clears throat> yeah, one, one hour is somehow the, the lower limit for for my trainer. Uh, if I go if I go outdoor, the minimum is one hour thirty. If it's like some recovery ride uh, okay. during the weekend, I try to stay out at least three hours and a half uh, if it's good weather. So, yeah, I mean, if it's good weather and I'm outside, I try to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Especially if it's sunny or whatever, you want also to absorb all the rays out there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But also because you need some volume and uh, one bad thing of the injured trainer is that it is a bit complicated to do some decent volume. Making hours on the trainer... It's not that easy. It's not that immediate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because usually how much is uh, your typical ride? I would say your minimum, your maximum in the door trainer. Oh, yeah. Minimum is around one hour uh, when I'm not particularly in a good mood usually. Uh, maximum, I try to stay around four hours, 30. Uh, more than that, I, yeah... It becomes a little bit boring. Okay, that's the point then. How do you entertain yourself 
while on the bottom of the situation, you know, and the indoor trainer, that is the most relevant thing, as well as on the other side, with uh, when you're training outside in winter, for example, that is a bit complicated to keep focus because it's too cold and blah, 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 blah. How do you actually see the two different things? <laughs> My, um, for me, I mean, Zwift is very, very important. Um, so the longest ride I did indoor was about four hours, 40, four hours, 45, stuff like that. And with me, I only had Zwift and I had music. So that was it. I didn't need much, much else apart from food. So I was in my room. I was listening to music. I was pedaling on Zwift. Um, there is this road on Zwift that is... I think 120 kilometer long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think it's called the Uber Pretzel or Mega Pretzel or Giant Pretzel, something like that. Okay. And I just set my goal for the day. Okay, let's do the Mega Pretzel. And, and well, yeah, I was I was going for it. But uh, yeah, time passed. You know. Uh, you make the first kilometer, you know there is 119 more. Then you make the second, you know it's 118 more. Okay. Uh, and then the story goes on for a while. Okay, 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 okay. What about the outdoor? Do you suffer a bit when you are outside and uh, it's winter and then everything maybe it's flat and boring and then maybe it's gray and then it's cold like hell and you need some entertainment or you just, when you're outside, you don't need it? In this time of the year, usually the pace that you you take is so easy, so soft that you can chat with the friends that are with you on the ride. So if you have to do zone two, I mean, you can talk about whatever you want in zone two. Uh, in zone three, you start talking only about bike. In zone four, you don't talk anymore. Okay, okay. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can completely see the point and that's exactly the same way that I usually use for entertaining for entertaining and for motivation, because as I was saying, I just ride outside, especially in this period, it doesn't happen so much that I ride with people because people are staying home here. Uh, it's too cold. But anyways, I try all the time to involve other people to join my rides and maybe to discover something new. So these are the two main things that I do. Invite people. And so I can talk about whatever, even if I'm covering my face with a buff all the time, but still... You know, you have space for talking. Actually, by talking, you also warm up your nose and your mouth. And uh, on the other side is discovering something new without having in mind that I want to discover some new tracks, some new trails, um, whatever it is, some new peaks, or maybe this restaurant there or this other thing over there. This is the only way that I can really keep myself entertained while being outside otherwise it's really too complicated it's too cold you don't you don't have really so much um challenge mind on saying okay let's watch here it's super beautiful or whatever you're just thinking about come on it's so cold yeah but uh, there is a big danger in um in going uh, outside with different people um if they slow you down a lot in winter it's tragic i mean it's really really tragic because if for some instance you do um let's say there is a climb of 20 30 minutes whatever and you you come to the top and you wait two three minutes it's one thing if you have to wait 10 15 minutes you will be in trouble long story short you'll be in big trouble because you cool down 
uh, all your sweat uh, is there, stagnates, uh, you you risk a lot of getting a cold, of getting flu and stuff like that. At least for me, it's uh, it's a big problem. Yeah, also because usually when you arrive up there and then you wait 20 minutes, still there is a long way down. So 20 minutes of climb, it means at least seven minutes of coming down. If you're already cold, if you're already shaking, it's also dangerous for crashing. No, but it's it's a nightmare. I mean, it's it's a disaster for for everything, and you you find yourself uh, intermittently stopping in various places. So you stop here to wait this guy, you stop there to wait the other guy, and it's you don't get anything out of the training. Uh, you just come back home that you didn't do the training properly. You got nervous because you had to wait this guy, the other guy, and the third guy. And at the end of the story, it just wasted time. So if that is the case, that I don't manage to find a group that I perfectly know who the riders are, and I know that both they can be in, in reasonable uh, shape to to make the, the planned route uh, at the end, um, I just prefer to go alone. Yeah, makes sense. I think you have a backstory about that. I've heard somebody telling me a story about yourself a couple of weeks ago going out with a super slow group, isn't it? But let's say that after two hours and 30 minutes, we have an average speed of people tell me 17 and a half kilometers per hour. There was some climb out there or it was just... Because it, it was one climb of 20 minutes. I mean, for me, it was 20 minutes. I did it more or less in zone four threshold. But, man, it, it, it was a nightmare. Uh, it was a nightmare. And at the point, after two hours and a half, I just said, okay, now I go downhill. If anyone wants to come, come. Uh, if you stay on my wheel, I'll be doing, you know, 230, 240 watts. If you don't stay on my wheel, see you in Bologna. Because I, I was so pissed that... During, during the first two hours and a half, I was just wasting time getting cold. And apart from the interval that was 20 minutes, the, all the rest of the, of the ride um, was, was boring. Uh, was boring and was, uh, from the training point of view, was non-effective. So in, from my point of view, it was just like wasting two hours of my time. On a very uncomfortable, uncomfortable, let's say, couch, which is my saddle. <laughs> so, if I have to waste time, I prefer to waste time on a couch and on a saddle. No, it doesn't make sense, especially for winter. It's already so okay. No stop being here and getting a bit serious in winter. These are tricks that you cannot do. I can understand in summer, especially if you are not arriving to 2,700, 3,000 meters altitude. It can be fun, you know. You do the climbs and then you wait yourself for the climb. If you're faster, or usually it happens like me when you're slower, you allow people just to wait for you and whatever, and then you do the other part together. You enjoy, you have fun, and blah, blah, blah. But in winter, I never allow anybody coming for me, uh, coming with me on waiting for me on top of the hill because I can't understand. It's, as you were saying, as we were saying, it can be dangerous for many different layers. So doesn't mean winter, no stops. This is the rule. Yeah, it's just a big nonsense if there are numerous stops all the time. No, it's not, not my not my cycling. No, at all. No, no, no. It's as I was saying, it's dangerous. It doesn't make doesn't make any sense. But we were talking about 
Um, how do you usually, while making this training in winter, and uh, we are trying to focus a bit more on one side is um, the indoor training, and on the other side it's the outdoor training. How do you actually protect yourself and all the environment that you have around you in these kind of situations? in the indoor trainer, for example, or from the weather, from too hot, from uh, too hot if you are training with a trainer inside or too cold when you're outside. Which one is your tricks? Give me a couple of tricks. Well, let's say that um, I have one rule of thumb. Uh, if it's below four or five degrees uh, outside, I just stay indoor. I don't bother to go outside. First of all, because for me, it's going to be cold. I know that some people can ride at minus five. Um, not me. I just can't. I, pre I prefer to go skiing if it's minus five. And also, it is, in my opinion, it is dangerous that I can slip on the road. So if there is some ice, if the road is humid, uh, or if there is water somewhere, uh, it's one moment and there forms ice on, on the road. And you can just crash for absolutely no reason. So I tend to avoid that. Um, the other way, uh, I'm talking about road bike here. Uh, if you do mountain biking, uh, all this stuff is probably less relevant. Um, yeah, it's it, it's also fun to go mountain biking with the snow and all this stuff. But on the road, it's different. So yeah, for me, below five degrees, I don't need protection. I just stay indoor. If it's more than five degrees, I usually dress in layers. So I have uh, two or three layers that I can remove, so deliberately. Uh, I, don't, I tend not to choose one single piece of very heavy equipment, even if it might be technically more efficient. Uh, I prefer to dress in layers because it means that when I go uphill, I can remove those layers and when I arrive at the top, I can also switch the order of those layers and stay dry um, inside. This is something that I tried a lot um, this winter when I was hiking. So I was climbing some, some mountains on snow and ice, walking, trekking. And yeah, when you arrive at the top at 2,000, 2,500 meters after whatever an hour of hiking, um, you're, I mean, I'm completely soaked uh, and drenched. Uh, what I do if I have three layers is that I put the third layer uh, on the contact with my body and the first layer that is completely wet outside. So this way it balances and I'm not wet anymore. It makes a lot of sense. It's something that I never thought about, but actually now that you let me think about that, it's super, it's super interesting. Once that actually you have your base layer that stays there, then you can really invert the order of the layers, putting something like one on top and one on the other one. And you are going to have anyways, the skin that all the time is not wet. So. Yeah, exactly. Because the layer that is outside is more exposed to the wind and it's somehow it dries, uh, it, it gets dry if it's soaked. Uh, while closer to you is the opposite. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. What about the indoor? I do you. I know that a lot of people use this kind of fan or a positive fan for a trainer or normal fan, something like the grandma fan. Are you using something like this or? I mean, you need ah. to use that. Ah, okay, tell me more about that. I mean, without a fan, you cannot in cycle indoor. It's not possible. Okay, so it's really an. Ex an essential, an essential. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go in overheating if you do it without. I mean, there are very limited workouts that uh, you might do and choose deliberately to have a very high temperature and no ventilation um, to stimulate some adaptations, uh, mainly mitochondria. But uh, the vast majority of the trainings that you have to do on, on a trainer have to be with, um, yeah, with a fan. Also, a, a strong fan. Uh, that the okay. second, the second thing here is the temperature that you need to have for indoor training. Uh, it's not that you can randomly pick a temperature and train in that one. Indoor, it gets a little bit more complicated because without the proper ventilation that you would have outdoor and all the other conditions that you meet outdoor, you kind of need and you kind of want to have. Um, an environment around you that is stable and controlled and replicated every time that you go on the trainer. So the ideal temperature is between 12 and 18 degrees. And try to it's something that is pretty much doable if you train indoor in your home. You can just open a window. Uh, temperature will get to that point. Or turn up the heat a little bit if you are a frozen person. Um, but that's it and uh, try to keep it always consistent oh that's super interesting i didn't know actually that you need to train between 12 and 18 degrees yeah yeah that's um below and especially if there is not proper ventilation it can lead to big changes because indoor you have let's say uh, an exercise that is very very regular and very much controlled being that controlled, um, you don't have some fluctuations that tend to balance your ride uh, and your body out outdoor. Okay, okay, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Now I feel a bit... I was feeling super smart on telling this story here, and which one is my super mega trip in order to keep myself safe and to protect myself in the wintertime outside, but now you put on the table all this science and I feel a bit you know ashamed on doing it but I'm gonna do it anyways so <laughs> so the point is that you said some perfect things really so layering up that's super important and when I mean layering up I mean also with the gloves for me super important is actually to use two pairs of gloves because the one that you have super close to your hands helps you keeping, anyways, the right temperature on your hands, especially on your fingers. And then putting another one on top, you really protect yourself by from wind and uh, for everything that is really outside. Double layering, if not triple layering, if it's wet, uh, your gloves, it's super, super important. Then usually I also double layer everything that happens on my feet apart from laying out cold my body, but usually I'm not super cold uh, when it talks about, it means something like body things or whatever. Uh, but really the most thing, the coldest thing that I have with me are my hands. I, they are usually super cold at the time and the feet. So also for this reason, usually I use two different socks, then the uh, shoes and then the overshoes. And I know that actually you are a fan of... Uh, uh, no, 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 overshoes. No, 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 overshoes. In winter boots. But I would I would do exactly the same also with uh, with the winter boots. Instead of putting on the uh, the oversocks or the, uh, the overshoes, I would anyways, for sure, even with the winter boots, put on two socks. 
because that's another thing that really keeps me my keeps my feet pretty 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 warm if they can but i can tell you that especially in this period especially going out on gravel so a bit more wet or whatever it can happen sometimes that my feet started being super cold and then for that i have the super great trick do you want to know it come on come on come on so because you are usually so the point is that winter riding for me means taking my open up and going out in the trails, even the technical ones that I cannot ride, in the trails close to my flat. So where I can really go and explore around 5 and 10 kilometers. At a certain point, something happens. Your feet start being super cold because you're tired, because you have this and you have that. Because you are just 5 kilometers away from your place, you just go out from the bike, you put your bike on your shoulder, and you start running. In this way, usually after a couple of kilometers, your feet are ready to go again sometimes is not enough and then you run back home and then you keep yourself way warmer than going with the bike running that's my trick really mm -hmm. running that's the only way simon that's the only way if your feet are freezing cold the only way that you can do is jump out from the bike put your bike on your shoulder and start running so you bring with you your running shoes no 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 i, I have anyways the spd shoes so i don't have the the normal road shoes with i have lock pedals on my road shoes on my gravel bike shoes i have a pair of i think they are empire Giro empire with spd pedals so they actually don't touch the floor and they're pretty comfortable they're a bit rigid because they are carbon and they need to change on something a bit more flexible, but still, it's super cool. Well, but, uh, okay. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a trick, Simon. That's a trick. When you, this will never find any problem on you because you usually plan everything super good or whatever. But if at a certain point in your life you will feel in trouble because your feet are pretty cold and you don't know what to do, jump out from the bike and start running. <laughs> Yeah, okay, but also Chris Froome did that, but I don't think that is because he was cold. No, I think he was a bit more, uh, let's say, overexcited, <laughs> probably, let's put it in this way. But come on, man, you, you have your exciting shoes and everything, and you just ruin everything. No, because you had the oversocks. And also, also the, oh, of course, you have the oversocks, then you destroy the, the socks. It's 15 bucks, you can do it. It's better having a destroyed oversocks than destroyed foot. But you know, it might change the position of your cleats, and then you set it up back home. But as I was saying, there is the SPD pedals, so you don't touch with them. Okay, okay, okay. I can understand, but for me, sometimes it happened. It happened a couple of times already that I was pretty freezing cold and I didn't know what to do. And I've done this one, but just to everybody of you out there, just extreme ratio. If something happens really, you don't have a solution. This is always a good solution. Yeah, I, I was a little bit skeptical because I was imagining myself running with my bike on around bologna and people just staring at me and why does this guy run if he has a bike yeah yeah yeah. but okay yeah who cares about people simon we are really no 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 but i i would be one of those people <laughs> <laughs> so who cares about you simon that's <laughs> okay let's move on because i think that anyways another cool thing that you can do is having a huge breakfast and fooling yourself and then you actually no definitely uh, when you're outside you can probably let's say also escape from uh, having fresh feelings let's say with a good fooling 
But how do you do while you are riding your bicycle? In this case, in your case, indoor, but also outdoor. How do you fuel yourself when in an indoor training session and also in, outdoor, in a, an outdoor one? Definitely start drinking and eating soon, very, very soon, especially in the winter. So after half an hour that you started riding, start eating. Like, don't wait because uh, it just makes no sense in most of the times if your ride is longer than an hour and a half, two hours. If it's shorter than an hour and a half, two hours, you don't really need uh, any additional fuel. So whatever you had in your body before, which is usually between 1,500 and 2,000 kilocalories, is probably enough for the ride that you are going to do in an hour and a half or two hours. So I think more or less if you ride at 300 watts, uh, the consumption is going to be around 1,000 calories per hour, 1,200, 1,100. Um, I'm, I don't remember precisely, but you know, usually an hour at 300 watts is pretty much intense and rarely you do that and an hour and a half that comes out at 1800 calories which is what you usually have in your body if you go an hour and a half full gas or close to full gas because to keep 300 watts for that amount of time it's not that easy even if you're a big guy okay so yeah calorie consumption yeah, it depends how long your ride is. That's the first thing. And then also depends a lot on what the goal of your training is. So if your goal is to do to put a lot of volume uh, at various intensities, maybe, you know, some zone three, some zone four, some intervals, whatever, in a four or five hours ride, start eating immediately. If your goal okay. is to try to optimize the consumption of uh, fats and not rely only on carbs, then it makes sense to start eating after two hours. But I warn you that you will feel you will feel funny, let's say this way. No, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be quite complicated. Uh, it's going to be quite complicated, but not to the point of bonking. Okay. Yeah, if you have a power meter, you can try uh, some trainings uh, that... You already start uh, in a glycogen depleted state. So in the 24 hours before the ride, you didn't really have a lot of calories and more than calories, you didn't have a lot of carbs. So you start the ride, your stores are already low. And after two hours, <laughs> you, you really start feeling that something is changing and that your body needs to start extracting uh, energy from fats. And that's uh, actually, it's a very good training. And it's also a kind of training that some or most of the pro cyclists uh, do in various periods of the year. But it's mentally, it's very difficult because you will feel a little bit without energy the day before, right before the ride, if you suddenly cut out the carbs. And during the ride itself, you will not feel very hyped. And after an hour and a half, once you have consumed, you know, those 1,500 calories or 2,000, uh, depends from person to person, the effect is very strong. And at that point, you can start to ingest some carbs uh, because whatever you ingest, it's not going to be enough to fuel you 
for the future hour uh, because you can only absorb so much. But your body will also use that in, in addition to the fat that is already processing. Okay, cool. Makes a lot of sense. And uh, now try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try it. Try it. I dare you. <laughs> no, I, I, I would feel a bit. I don't know. Uh, now I'm scared for that. So no, but to, to be honest, this oh, a very very useful training. Like. Um, very useful training yeah because usually you know that's the thing that i wanted to say usually when i ride in winter because actually i don't i usually don't stay out for more than four hours i usually don't eat it's really really difficult for four hours for four hours yeah i usually don't eat but yeah i don't push full gas in this kind of rides simon that's the thing i don't train in this kind of situation i don't do intervals um uh, it's just really for me something like zone two sometimes in zone three and in this kind of rides, I really usually don't eat at all. Uh, yeah, as we were saying before, the big problem here is the number of calories. So it can be that in four hours, you stay around those 2,000 calories and you still don't really need a big, uh, a big additional intake of energy. But still, uh, hydration... Uh, on the other side, is very important, even if you don't feel thirsty. So you always remember to, to drink a little bit every 15 minutes. Just put it as something normal to do and keep doing it. Um, how does it work? Because actually, this is a feeling. And tell me if also your feeling. Usually when I ride, I ride outside and it's cold, I usually don't feel the need of drinking. And uh, exactly as you were saying, I need to force myself and drink a sip of water every 15 minutes, every 20 minutes, every 10 minutes, because even if I don't feel like, because I don't know, probably the mind is just tricked by something else. I don't know. May I keep doing it, like keep, keep drinking, um, because in the winter, you don't really realize what is, what is going on. And you don't really feel the need to, to drink, but if you completely avoid it, it's going to cause you problems. And you can probably see by the HR profile during your ride that something is going wrong. Something like put an alarm or watch your power meter, no, your head unit from time to time. And when you see it actually that you are really crossing this 15 minutes time, just drink because, yeah, it can be complicated as you were saying. And bring a couple of bottles of water with you. Yeah, just make a small sip, even if you don't feel to. And then once you feel that you need to drink, drink without problems. Um, I really like to drink cold stuff uh, in, in the winter. And so for me, it's <laughs> for hydration is the best time of the year because I can drink my iced tea during the ride. <laughs> By just having it oh, in the bidon. <laughs> no, for me, it's really the best thing of riding in winter. Your water is fresh all the time. Yes, best feeling ever. Yes, because we all know this feeling that you're outside, you're climbing these super high mountains. I don't know, just think about Furka Pass. You are there in your one hour and a half climb up to the up to the Furka Pass. And then after a certain point, spending a bit of time at 1,000 meters, 1,200, seems like you're drinking a soup. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree yeah. i agree let's go to the last point of um training in winter riding in winter between indoor training and outdoor trainer so here i think that the problem is all the same that is 
cleaning the bike or maintaining the bike. So with winter, when you're riding outside, even if you're not doing uh, gravel rides like I do or mountain bikes, even if you're just going outside in on the road, your bicycle gets completely, completely crappy. And that's not the best. But also on the other side, I think that uh, the other effect of training inside, it seems like your bike doesn't really need, I don't know, lubing or washing or whatever if you're training indoor. But actually also there, there is some dust that is going around as well. There are uh, some problems that can be with the cable. How do you actually tackle these problems? Um, yeah, you know, if you ride on a trainer, it's not a big deal if the road is dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes sense. So, yeah. Um, for the weekend ride, if I have the luxury to do the winter ride, um, yeah, I can clean the bike a little bit afterwards. But as a general rule, uh, and I used it in the last years, I, I try to clean it as best as I can without making big things. And then somewhere around March or early April, I replace all the cables, all the, the cassette, uh, all the routing, um, all the components that tend to wear off. Um, and yeah, I just replace it and get the bike ready for the real cycling. And yeah, new for the, for the season. Yeah, makes sense. As I was saying, for me, it's a bit different because I have the huge problem of riding in the mud all the time. I actually got some super good uh, tires for the mud. We can talk about tires next time, probably. But yes, as I was saying, I really like to go in the mud. And anyways, I do it all the time. And so for me, there is only one way to clean my bicycle. Once every week or twice every week, it depends on the level of mud that I found around. I actually go and jet wash the bike. And by watching videos and whatever seems like and test and real test and whatever obviously don't go with the jet wash pretty close to your cassette or to your chain ring and to your um bottom bracket or whatever and push it as much as you can but if you take a good of distance and you go a bit gently nothing really happens on uh, your parts and then try to dry it out with something, I don't know, microfiber, uh, whatever, cleaning thing, or just some, uh, yeah, just some paper is good as well, and then lube it straight after, and it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually nothing very dangerous happens, so I, I agree with the jet wash, but yeah, I, I don't have it anywhere around me, but if you, if you can, it's pretty handy, pretty convenient. Yeah, it just works. Yeah, it works. And actually, the cool thing is that last week or two weeks ago, I came back home. My bicycle was completely a mess. Then I went down, and there was not the hose to that I usually <laughs> close to my apartment. Uh, they use actually to water the plants that are here around. So probably they took it away because it can freeze. And so I was saying, how can I come back with the bicycle back home? And then I just Google it. Uh, okay, jet wash or whatever. I found one, and after a couple of hours, I really found it. So actually, my ride to find the jet wash was longer than the ride for training that I was doing. And then I went there and uh, I washed it and I found it out that it's something like 15 minutes from my place. So for me, it's the best ending of my ride. You go out, you get muddy, you have fun. It's super amazing. Then you come back home, you stop, 
you jet wash it for one franc, one Swiss franc. I actually jet wash it perfectly. You clean it perfectly. Then you just, with something that with a towel or whatever that I, brought, I bring with me, I just something like dry it out and then put the lube on it. And it's back here with me at home, completely clean, perfect and ready to be written tomorrow. And it's also a super good feeling, I can say. It's only, yeah, it's a good feeling. That's the most important part. It gives you satisfaction, no? Yes, yes, yes. When you're there cleaning and then you watch it shining, it's great. But I can tell you that I feel the best, the best satisfaction there because my bicycle, my open up is completely rough and ready to paint. So there is no paint to waste. I would have a bit of problems with my 3D Strava, the Strada on doing it because, I don't know, Seems like a bit more delicate. Hmm. It could be, could be, but yeah. I would try it out because the thing that I all the time I say to everybody, if I wanted to buy something just beautiful to watch, I would have bought a TV screen. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And if you have to buy something beautiful and you choose a bike, don't buy it in November. <laughs> That's another good point. <laughs> you can get a good discount, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you buy it in November, it's going to be painful for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. Makes sense, Simons. Do, do you want to add something, by the way? Yeah, uh, Stefano, get an indoor trainer and get a power meter, please. You're right, you're right. And somebody out there, if you want to give me a power meter for a good price, just let me know. Huh? Because this year I have no really all my founds and all my coins that were in my coin keeper were out to get my open up. So yeah. Man, seriously, get get a stages. It's it's not that expensive. It works. It's super reliable and gives you no headaches of any sort. So the stages power meter is actually the the crank set, right? Uh, you don't need the crank set. You just need the left part oh. of the crank. Okay. Okay. Is the one that so you, you don't Is the one that you have also your uh, on your bike or yeah, I also have that one. Um, I tried different ones. I tried Garmin. I tried many ones, let's say SRM. Um, I tried the Favero uh, from a couple of friends. But overall, the yeah, the the stages it, it's there. You completely forget that you have it. You don't have to charge it often or anything, and it works. Okay, and it works as well for uh, for my gravel bike. For anything, I mean, you need to have you need to have a pedal, right? Okay, okay. If it fits my pedal for me, it's fine. Okay, I would think about that, Simon. Also, because I need to buy two, not only one. Oh, but probably I cannot just mount it on uh, my uh, on my open up and not doing it on my road bike. Yeah, who needs a power meter on the road bike? Um. Uh, um, okay, I think we can stop it here, Simon. <laughs> I will let you go and doing your trainer, uh, your training, the two hours training on Swift now. Have a nice day. Ciao, ciao, Simon. Ciao, ciao. Still, Simon continues telling me that I need to get a power meter, but probably I will never get used to have these kind of things and numbers and stuff in uh, my brain, in my head unit. The only thing that I want to check is checking around where am I going and how to get properly lost. But no, 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 just write down in the comment below if you think that I need to get a power meter or not and what you think about training against exploration or if you can explore as well with training. I don't know, 
let me know. Um, nothing. I think I'm going to sh just shut down this episode saying thank you uh, to all of you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to review or rate or just subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends, feel free to do it. We will be super happy. I will be super, super happy for that. And as well, I want to renew my thanks to Open for providing me this amazing open up that is coming with me in all my exploration here in Switzerland this year. I just want to close with a small note. That's why there is no music here anymore. Um, yes, yesterday arrived the news that Kobe Bryant just passed away. And um, it was something that hit me pretty, pretty hard. And also we had a conversation today with Simon and hit him pretty hard. That guy was really a great model, model of professionalism. He was training super hard. That's one of the reasons why Simon loved him so much. And personality and warm hearts and all the commitment that he got actually to try to support women in basketball and women in sports in general. So this is another reason why he was super close to me. And also remember that he was living in uh, um, Reggio Calabria, close to my birthplace. And I remember all my friends from Reggio telling me about this guy that between um, one quarter and the other was just shooting some hoops. And uh, yeah, even worse was yesterday night because while I was listening to the radio, all the news and all the updates that were coming out, listening that also his daughter Gigi died in this accident. And all this makes everything way more tragic. Nothing else to say. And my really, really warm condolences to his family and his closest friend. And uh, yeah, nothing else than this. And uh, thanks for everything, Kobe. Yours, basketball.